Rocket Recovery is a podcast and community for those who suffer from addictive, selfish sexual behavior. If you can remember anything from our time together, think on this. You are not alone. There are many of us who have suffered and have found a solution that works. We now live happy, joyous, and free lives. We know that this may feel completely unattainable for you right now, but be assured, peace and serenity can be found in this life for you too. Rocket Recovery seeks to demystify recovery. There are simple steps to take, but a hard path to follow. We'll support you with principles, maxims, mantras to sustain you on your journey. We'll introduce you to those who will guide you. And remember, you are not alone. On this episode of Rocket Recovery, we speak with Kevin, a recovering addict, about step three of the Alcoholics Anonymous path to recovery. Step three says, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Kevin and Zach discuss the significance of step three and share some personal anecdotes about this step in their recovery journey. Kevin also shares the biggest thing that has made the difference in his recovery. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to the Rocket Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, and I am joined today by my friend Kevin, a recovered addict. How's it going, Kevin? Recovering addict. I'm never recovered. Recovering addict. Wonderful. I think that gives you false hope if you say recovered. Uh, it's it's an easy way to to kind of fool yourself and yeah. lull yourself into into you got things solved right yeah. right yeah. I feel like I'm always recovering like because who knows tomorrow my my insanity might come back yeah <laughs> yeah you know who knows yeah well I will uh, I'll make sure to note that in in the notes for the episode I don't want to uh, mislabel or attribute something there that, that you personally don't identify to be true with you. So today what we'll be doing is having a discussion on step three of the 12 step process. Step three as written in the big book of AA says, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And as uh, our listeners know, we like taking a look at Russell Brand's book, Recovery, for a more modern telling uh, that kind of demystifies this uh, kind of grandiose language. It was definitely archaic language that's uh, in, the blue, in the blue book. So what he says here, and it's kind of like a little story that he goes through, steps one, two, and three, which is really how the 12 steps goes, is kind of a story. He says, first question, which aligns with step one, are you a bit fucked? (laughs) (laughs) Number two, could you not be fucked? (laughs) And then step three, are you on your own going to unfuck yourself? So only Russell Brand can explain this this way. Right, right, right. (laughs) So we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Uh, Kevin, I'd love to get your perspective on this step. Um, And we'll kind of go through it kind of like phrase by phrase to kind of break it down and hopefully demystify the language behind it and kind of understand kind of like on a gut level kind of what's going on. So we made a decision. I think is a good one. We made a decision. What, what is that? How does that 
hit you. I always, I was always confused on why people thought this was such a hard part to, hard step to get through. I, I mm-hmm. in my mind, I had, I knew, I knew that I was, uh, I had an issue. Right. You know, I was, I was, as Russell Brandt says, I was fucked. Yeah. Really bad. Um, and I, I was, you know, I don't know how other people's brains work, um, but I, I knew that this was this was me now now i've worked with other guys who really struggled with with wanting to admit that they had a problem yeah you know they they could not see the writing all the writing on the wall and i think the the addiction is brings insanity yeah where you can't see you can't see straight mm-hmm. you know and that it, it's a struggle until you can really hit a rock bottom mm. um or just have so much willingness to realize that you potentially have a problem. Mm. Um, it's hard to admit that it's hard to give up that control that yeah. you, you need help and that you can't, you can't do this alone. Right. You that know? you have, like, like he says, are you on your own going to unfuck yourself? Right. Like question is like, am I going to be able to get myself out of this mess? And, at a certain point, you you have to come to the realization: no, yeah. I can't. Right. Otherwise, there's no way in the world that you're going to be able to get recovery. You're going to be able to go through the rest of the steps with sincerity. But it's scary, you know. It is. Sure. It's scary to. This the, the stigma of addiction is the scariest part because you know you, you hear the word you're an addict, you think of like some meth head on the street. Mm. You know you don't think about like just the common person being an addict. You know yeah. I, I tell people that I'm a sex addict and and they would probably hide their kids from me. Right. You know you're what I mean? some like, creepy guy in a van luring their kids exactly. in with uh, with candy or right. whatever. Right. And so you know there's a lot of mis- misunderstanding coming into the program already and i think that's what scares people when they first walk in is that stigma of I'm okay if i admit that i'm an addict of, yeah then you know i have i have a problem that um is now such a psychologically bad thing right you know instead of looking at this whole thing as um as a blessing because it can it can clean up your life Right. You know, if when I finally gave in um and really and truly wanted the help and and went to any lengths to get it is when I found the program to be the easiest. Mm-hmm. It's always when I when I felt like if I just hide a little bit of information it won't come up um about how I really was um that would make it easier and it, all all it did was really complicate things more. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, the book tells us about, you know, what kind of motivates, um, our, our addiction, our addictive tendencies and it being like coming down to brass tacks is just selfishness and self-centeredness. And the problem with self-centeredness is that I'm so consumed with myself that I don't even realize that I have a problem until it really comes back and bites me in the ass hard. Right. You know, I'm just, I'm so consumed with, you know, just 
dealing with shit. It says here there's a hundred we're we're driven by a hundred forms of fear, self delusion, which mm-hmm. I think we're taught we are talking about here, self seeking, self pity, oh woe is me, that sort of shit. That we step on the toes of our fellows and they reta- other people retaliate. They you know, it's like what you were saying is just um when you were giving your story last episode is just like I was just going about doing my business and people would like what the fuck are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? And it's just like, you, you don't realize that, you know, you have that kind of impact on people that, you know, you're, 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 you're angry and, and, uh, and, and mean, you, you start, you know, treating people poorly and you don't even realize it. And you, 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 it becomes this kind of, it just rolls out of your personality and you don't even realize it until somebody is just like, Whoa, dude, you're, kind of mean right now what's going on so um the 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 power of self-delusion um that like keeps us under the thumb of our addiction well i think addiction too over time creates a whole new person Mm. you know it i'm not the same person that i was when i was 16 years old right you know and i forgot who that person was it 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 manifested itself so ingrained in every aspect of my life that i i no longer knew of any other way of thinking and being terrified of of the future of being an addict you know, and and realizing when somebody said that I was going to have to have to do this for the rest of my life, I was like, oh, shit. Right. Like, I thought this would be, you know, I'd go in a few sessions and that uh, life would be better. Uh, and I would learn everything and I wouldn't have these desires anymore. Um, you know, that that to me was the most shocking part of all of this, mm. you know. Uh, next phrase of step three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over. Um, uh, another way that we could do that, will would be our thoughts and our lives would be our actions. So we turned our thoughts and our actions over. So um, speak on that, if you will, um, the turning over of your whole person. What does that mean? It's it is an ongoing journey with me. Mm. Uh, I um, I think that's another very confusing part um, of how to do that. Mm. I can't really walk that through with anybody else because it's still a journey that I'm still taking. I I never had a relationship with God. Mm. Um, I remember asking my dad when I was a kid. Um, you know, how do I know if God's even real? And, and his response was, well, you just have to have faith. It made no sense to me. Well, what does faith mean? Right. Well, yeah, like, I, if mean? I can't Thanks. see God, then God to me doesn't exist. And that, right. you know, that kind of spelled that I was all alone in the world and that I, I was the maker of my own um, future and that I could stop or do whatever I wanted. Hmm. Um. I have seen God work and Mm. I know God is in my life because I know he is the reason why I am in recovery. 
that I've decided to be in recovery and to actually be comfortable being an addict, be comfortable telling my story and and being vulnerable with with complete and total strangers um, because I know that he loves me. Mm. That, when I first started the program and I was so distraught, um, that was something kind of, I kind of skimmed by, I would say, the first time I did 12 steps. Um, you know, I, I, you told, you told me to say yes to, um, believing in God, fine, you know, let's get to the next step type, type thing. I never really understood the, the connection between recovery and how important God is in all of it. You mm-hmm. know, God is, uh, an all loving being he doesn't want us to be in trouble we're making mistakes in our lives that little children would make you yeah. know we know what's right and we know what's wrong yeah um we need we need an entity we need a we need a role model to look to yeah to help us make the right the right choices you know mm-hmm. when i'm when i'm in the choice of wanting to go out you know i've got an extra hour in my hands and i'm i've got resentment towards my wife and i'm i'm bored at work and i have the opportunity to go act out the first thought that should come into my mind is 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 god and whether or not this is something he would do yeah you know and that's something that i never even considered before but you know it does come to my mind pretty quickly now yeah so from what i'm hearing you saying is that this is this is not just a one-time decision that we're making to turn our will and our lives over to god this is this is an ongoing continuous day by day moment by moment every time that i'm faced with temptation or, or triggered or whatever that i i'm at a decision point at that moment that i'm at a choice point that i have a decision to make. Am I going to take that easy path or the hard path? Am I going to, you know, just continue to walk down that road towards oblivion? Or am I going to, you know, decide to take, you know, certain, you know, spiritual steps in my life? Right. You know, the first one being my, my thoughts, my actions, I'm turning them over. Right. That's not what I'm wanting. I, I don't want to go down this path. I want to do the right thing. I turn my willpower my ability to think and to you know about this stuff and it's just like i don't want that i don't want to follow after the addict that's going on inside me i want to choose to do the right thing at that decision point it sounds like yeah and and, you know the when when you're really high in the even when you're coming down from wanting to use whether it be sex addiction or not Hmm. the the addict pull of wanting to act out is just so intense, you know, that it is very difficult to get your mindset in a direction of, of thinking that God is going to help you. Hmm. Because I felt like every time I thought that way, m- the addictive thoughts that come into my head would just flood in right after. Like, I'd think about God and I'd be, please help me. Um, and then all of a sudden, I'm like thinking about pussy. Like all of a sudden, like it just flies into my head. And right. I'm like, and that just showed like there is two different 
things going on here that are, are competing with each other. Right. And one of them is very weak. My, my, my religious side of me believing that God can help me is weak. Yeah. And the addict side that I've depended on to get me through is very strong. Yeah. I think of it like a muscle. It's just like I've worked out that addict muscle for so long, so long. in yeah. my life and everything that all of a sudden I, I start doing the 12 steps and I'm just like, okay, I make this decision to turn my, thought, my, my thoughts and my actions over to the care of God. One decision's not going to override decades worth of, you know, poor decisions that, you know, I mean, God can do in, in, in just a few months time what a year's worth of, you know, hard self-effort could do. That's what the big book says. But, um, you know, it's not an overnight, you know, everything is better. Um, I mean, we talked about this a few episodes ago. It's just like, for some people, it could be an instantaneous thing. I mean, we're not going to try to put a limitation on how God can can work, right. you know, how your higher power can show up for you. Um, but for most of us, our experience is an educational variety, that it takes time that, you know, we we have to go through falling on our faces over and over and over again. Kind of like what you were sharing in your story. It's just multiple times of like falling down and then getting back up, dusting yourself, continue to move forward. Like what other choice do I have? Right. You know, I, I had a similar conversation with one of our brothers um, not too long ago, and he really struggles with um, sobriety. You know, he really struggles with this step in, in believing that, not only is God real, but that God could do anything at all for him. And he makes this program so much more complicated than it really needs to be because he, every time he is presented with acting out or not acting out, the the pull of acting out is just too great for him. And he always chooses the other decision, even though he's gone through so much therapy and he knows what to do. He knows he needs to go and call other people. He's doing, if he would just concentrate and say, Hey, help me through this situation. Like Hmm. at least try to understand that there is there, that there could be, an entity that is bigger than us, that is really and truly there for us. Mm. And I believe it to be true. I mean, I, I, I know I got arrested for a reason, and that was to break me from the cycle and to shock me so hard to get, because God knew that I, I was throwing away my life. Yeah. You know, and, and every single time that I've wanted to act out since, he's come and he's re-shocked me. Mm. I know it exists, yeah. but it's hard to, to tell the new addict to give up what they're so comfortable with. They're comfortable with that blankie that the addiction gives them yeah. for something that you can't see. You just have to have faith. Yeah. And faith is a hard thing to do and tell somebody to have. You can't, I, I can't tell you, Zach, to have faith. Right. Because you have to interpret that in for yourself. Yeah, and that's why it says it's God of your understanding. Right. I mean, you you come to the table with a willingness to believe. That's the bare minimum. It I is. mean, it's uh, 
Um, it says so in the uh, appendix at the appendix two at the back of the big book. Uh, it talks about uh, this spiritual experience, and at the very end of it, it says. Um, any addict that is capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. There's that willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are, that w- are the essentials of recovery. But why don't, why don't addicts want to be honest? Why, why do crackheads go off into a, a deserted aisle? Uh, um, a deserted alley to to get high because it's embarrassing it's you don't want to admit these faults of yourself you know and i don't know if it's society that's making us seem like we have to be these grandiose people and we have to have these grandiose life and we have to have our shit together all, and, all you the know time. yeah our but, life has to actually be instagram and it's just like no, there's filters and all that other shit and it's just you don't like realize that until you're a little bit older like right uh, I think, like, looking back at my childhood in, in the way that I, even in school, like, there was a certain way of being. You know, you go to business school, and it's like, this is how you become um, successful. Money, power, driving the right car. It's not about dealing with your problems. It, right. Never in my life it's did about I... Just sweeping them sweeping under, them the, under rug. the rug. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's what's so cool about the younger generation that I found out when I've been hanging out with them and everything is just they see through all of that bullshit. Really? I, I mean, some of them do. I, I, I'm sure a lot of people in our own generation see through that bullshit, too. Yeah, it just it seems like it's it, it's almost like this generational thing, like like Generation Z is just it's all about that authenticity and like cutting through the bullshit and everything. And it's just it's it's refreshing, um, but it's also a challenge because it's just like, okay, how am I being inauthentic? And I think that that willingness to believe that you know there is that higher power, that that willingness to admit that maybe I do have an issue. There's the you know taking that chance yeah. to to make a decision that hey, I don't have all my shit together. I am trying to live this Instagram highly filtered, you know, uh lifestyle. I'm I'm wearing this mask so that nobody can see me and everything. I think it's really refreshing to have a a, a group of people that are almost characterized by like no filters. This is real life. You know, it's okay to make mistakes and, and everything. I think and that's maybe really those cool. people won't ever become addicts. You know? I, I mean, what maybe the, the tendency to become oh. those addicts is, is lessened with that. Maybe that's something that we can be hopeful for, sure. Yeah. But what about all the people who do and would be devastated? Hmm. They've always had this Instagram life, as you say. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they're so out of control, you know, that now they're they're almost feeling like they're being forced to believe in in something but they don't understand it you yeah. know and i think that's that's a hard step 3 i, I everything is about the willingness the willingness to mm. give up that control and yeah. and it is very difficult nowadays to give up control in a life that you feel you have so much control over yeah um I can't remember exactly where uh, where it is uh, earlier here in the book. It's just like I'm 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 faced with oblivion, 
and it's just like when I, I'm I'm faced with stark reality and everything, I, I have to make make right with the concept of God. Right. I have to. I have to. I, I, it's like I'm 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 like. I'm 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 clinging on to life. It's just like uh, it talks about this flimsy reed, and I'm like being like flooded, rushed down the river, caught in the flood, and I'm like gr- desperately grasping onto it. It's like I don't have time to evaluate what that thing is that I finally got a hold of. It's just, it's like please, please keep me from being swept away right. down the river and everything. And you come to realize it was just a blade of grass <laughs> or whatever, and it was the strongest thing in the world because it was that thing that got me out of the flow. If it's God, who cares? It's it helped me get out of it. Right. It helped me get out of like you know, out of the flood, and so it's just it, there is that desperation. We, we we talk about the desperation of a drowning man. That's a phrase that comes from the big book and everything. We have to face life with that desperation and face our addiction. It's just like. I don't care whatever it takes. And maybe sometimes we have to be faced with consequences like what you experienced and getting arrested to, you know, or, or, you know, being kicked out of your house and, you know, your wife is just like, I don't want to be with you anymore. Consequences. My, you know, my daughter is eight years old and she needs consequences. Mm. Like I cannot just say, okay, you're going to get in trouble next time. You're going to get in trouble and nothing happened. Right. I made big boy decisions that I know I shouldn't have done. Right. I can pretend like they didn't happen after the fact, but I knew what I was doing. Yeah. And there was a moment in, in, in every time that I acted out that said, you know, you, you told yourself you wouldn't do this again. And I'd be like, fuck you. Yeah. I'm going to go do it anyway. Right. You know, I, I, I guess I question sometimes when I'm helping somebody with the 12 steps, you know, this is a very crucial part it is the most important part is that willingness to believe that you don't have the answers or the ability to stop by yourself. That you're not on your own going to unfuck yourself is right. what Russell Brand says. Yeah. How do we how do we emphasize this step as being the most crucial part instead of just jumping past it and say, do you believe in God? Yes, you do. Okay, let's go to step four. Yeah. Because I feel like when I first started Either it didn't get emphasized enough, or mm. I didn't put the emphasize, emphasis on it enough. It was probably that, the second one Maybe right that's there. what it was. You're yeah. probably right. Well, I, didn't, I didn't want to. I was like, all right, so you, the next step, I can go to the next step. Okay, let's do that then. That's probably what happened. Yeah, I don't want to stay here for too long because it makes me uncomfortable because I'm having to face my own mortality, face the fact that I'm very small in this universe, that you know there is a, there is a higher power that's out there, and you know it's kind of scary. Um, but it breaks but, through all that stuff. You know, like yeah. when we look at the foundation um, uh, poster mm-hmm. in group, you know, and it's got all the bricks that are preventing you from God. When you when you give up that um, that fear, mm. you know, the, the, and you and you give in to allowing God to help you. Um, or becoming willing, willing to consider the fact that maybe God could help you. I right. mean, that's good enough because the book says it's God as we understand him. Right. 
you can you can start with a very very small conception of a higher power there's a a guy that came through our group and he tells a story about you know one of the guys that he came across in his recovery he it was it was the sun on the front of the box of Kellogg's Raisin Bran cereal. It was two scoops, sun, and everything. He's just like, when I think of a higher power and everything, I think of that. And it's just like, great. Yeah, I mean, if that's what it takes to I, get I, started, I sure. Of, I think of like what I think now. Like I think of a really crazy tall Jesus, like to the heavens. And I'm holding, I'm like, I'm right next to like a lake or like there's like a concrete platform and there's people standing on the platform, but almost falling off. And there's lots of people whose heads are like right above the water and there's people underwater with their hands up. And I'm holding on to Jesus's clothes. Yeah. And like, he's so tall and I'm just looking up and just holding on to it. But I do know at times that I felt like I was in, I was picturing myself back in that water yeah. and I was drowning again. Yeah. And, and, but that image for some reason is very strong with me. Sure. And, and it makes me believe that that's true. Yeah. And it's important that whoever's going through the recovery process, that they find some concept of a higher power like that, right. that they can hold on to, to just get them through that day. Right. You know, and as you continue to work your program and come into contact with, you know, other people in the program that have their own concepts of God, I mean, it's encouraged to talk about what does your higher power look like to you? And, right. you know, are there, are, are there any other resources that you're learning about, about, you know, about higher powers and, and everything? There's an entire chapter in the book called We Agnostics that actually addresses the difficulty of considering what a higher power is. Um, I mean, we're kind of going back to step two, you know, the, the concept that, you know, there is a power that is greater than ourselves that could restore us to sanity. But the rubber meets the road when we actually decide to turn our entire lives over to this power. Right. That's, that's a pretty big jump. And it's, it's, it's difficult for a lot of people. I mean, for me, I mean, Clint was, uh, Clint was uh, uh, talking to us uh, in a previous episode, and he was talking about, like, you know, his dad was in the ministry. He was a pastor. And, I mean, he grew up always going to church and everything. And then somebody in the program said, hey, man, you're at best an agnostic. And he was just like he took offense at it. But because he was willing to actually investigate right. and everything, he came to realize he's just like, man, if my concept of God was so awesome and everything, why didn't it keep me out of the recovery rooms? Why did, it, why did I still end up? you know, in the depths of despair. It's just like, you're not safe from well, also, life. I think Clint too, you grow up in that environment. You, you, you think, you know, all the, the, the scriptures and that makes you understand God instead of trying to have a relationship with God. Yeah. On a more personal, on a personal level, level, instead of just knowing facts and figures. And about. I've always been against that. It yeah. always scared me. It always made, it almost seemed make believe to me. Mm. And, um, it was very difficult for me to understand or or want to understand. And so it came back to the fact that I can do it myself. Yeah. And, and I've realized that every time I do, every single time that I put myself back in the driver's seat, 
I am crashing constantly. <laughs> and, all, you know, and, and that's frustrating because I'm like, man, in so many other aspects of my life, I can do that. I can do whatever. Yeah. But why? Why is it so difficult for me to say no by myself? I go to therapy. I, I listen to what people are saying. I know what to do. But mm. when I'm in that situation and I'm really, really, really triggered and I want to act out, why can I not? Why can I not say no? Yeah. And it's so easy for other people. Yeah. You know, I can a, say no to alcohol. I can say no to gambling. Mm. Why can't I say no to this? Mm. And it's frustrating, and I and I get resentful when I do act out. I'm like, man, you know, I, I fucked up again. Yeah. And I think it's at that point of like, oh shit, that that cry of desperation. Mm-hmm. You know, that help, please, you know, that that's when God comes in. That's when he's just like, okay, you're in the place where I can rescue you. I, I, I'm going to come and help. I'm going to come and support but you. But I don't want to be at that spot constantly with him. Like, I want to <laughs> be in a spot where he's like, all right, you know what to do now. You know, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you go and make that decision, and I want you to make the right decision. And don't call me right if you fuck up. Like, right? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. No, there is definitely <laughs> that pu- that push and pull um, in inside of us and everything. But I mean, that's that's why we're so we're reminded again. It's just like, am I on my own going to be able to fix myself? True. I'm not, and so it's a constant decision daily basis ongoing to turn our will and our lives over the, to the care of God as we understand him. And, you know, and to be okay with, you know, the, the, the mess of the journey. Yeah. Yeah. The cleanup. Yep. All right. Well, um, we'll quickly then go into Kevin. Um, I asked you to think of a concept or a principle or, or, or some sort of a maxim that, you know, has worked for you and has helped you on your recovery journey that, you know, perhaps you could, that you could share and perhaps it could be helpful to, uh, somebody that's going through, you know, similar situations. So what did you bring for us today? So I, I have been doing something for about three years now that is really, I, to me of all the therapy, in, in 12 steps and meetings, this has definitely been um, the best when it comes to therapy. Yeah. And that is neurofeedback. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that. So neurofeedback um, is provided by my, my CSAT. And Again, a CSAT is a certified uh, sex sexual, addiction therapist. Right. Okay. And so this is part of, you know, um, this is part of their, their program. Mm-hmm. Um but what it does is it help, first of all they map they map your brain so they're using new technology to help with addictive behaviors and ADD mm. um, and what it does is it's it's kind of like when you defrag a hard drive okay it basically gets your files in the right places again and so what they do is they, they unscrambles unscrambled the brain. right okay. and so what they have found is that different parts of your brain, especially with addiction, they, they're not talking to the one another the way mm. that they're supposed to. So when you first start out, they do a brain mapping and the brain mapping tells you, okay, uh, your left lobe and your right lobe, they should be talking this way and they're not okay. or whatever it might be. And mm-hmm. they give you these questionnaires 
Um, you know, the questionnaires be like, you, you know, are you depressed a lot? Or do you have problems with reading comprehension? Like there's like 300 questions. Okay. So once they do the brain mapping, they, um, and I'm guessing that they have like probes that are stuck right, to your head right. and it's like reading electrical signals as you process these questions and answer them. Correct. Okay. All right. And so they, what they do is they, they map that. And at that point they're able to figure out which program, which computer program to run in the future that will help, um, fix these issues. Hmm. And so it's, it's crazy. Like, so they, they put these probes, this is at the second session, you do the brain mapping first and it shows you like your Delta waves and where Mm. you should be and where you are. And so they run this program they put the probes on your head and you're watching a Netflix video. And so you can watch any Netflix video you want, but the only way that you can hear the audio and you can actually see the picture is that your brain has to figure out how to do it. So the first like three or four sessions, it's incredibly frustrating because you're watching it and for a second the video will come on and for a second the audio will come on and they will both go off. Whoa. And, and, you know, you, and this is a 30-minute session, so it's constantly going in and out and all the time. And then after about four, four sessions or so, things start to get better. Like the picture will come on for about 10 seconds and the audio will come on and it will go off. After about 15 sessions, like you're basically watching the video, your, your brain figured out how to make those connections. Wow. And so I started really feeling a difference when it comes to the way I was analyzing information and thinking and triggering. Um, and I did. I was having, you know, the parts that they were able to figure out were the exact issues that I was having. Um, so over time they did another brain mapping and it shows you, okay, these areas have flipped. Do you still agree with these questions that you had before? And I was like, no, you know, actually, you know, I'm not being triggered in this way anymore. I am remembering long-term the way I wasn't before. Wow. And so they, they work with your Delta theta and all these different brain waves using different computer uh, probes basically. That's fascinating. Dude, it's been life changing for me. I really, I have my trigger levels have been like almost nothing almost to the point where I almost feel desexualized. Like if my wife comes on to me, like I'm like, I'd rather go to sleep. Like something. And I know it's related to that because we, Mm. we just recently did a brain, another brain mapping. We do them like every, 15 sessions or so. Mm-hmm. And um, from from the first brain mapping to now, um, I've had a 55% switch. Wow. So 55% of what it's supposed to be has completely switched over and, and the areas of my head are, are, are working. Wow. Um, and my wife was doing it for a long time. She has really horrible ADD. I mean, mm. just ADHD. And it, and it really helped her be able to refocus and find balance. Hmm. Um, so it neurofeedback's like, amazing. Yeah, it sounds like the application ha- is, is much broader than just, you know, an Absolutely. addiction treatment. Yeah. I mean, if you're struggling with, with any type of, of concentration or just finding balance in your life, yeah, it, it's most likely due to the fact that you're not, your brain isn't communicating right. Hmm. And a lot of the, a lot of 
it has helped me my brain calm down yeah and refocus and it it has made me especially at work very uh productive yeah you know it's really it's fascinating it's been the by far the best therapy i've done that's cool yeah well, thank you. So Kevin. it's called neurofeedback. Take a look at it. Yeah. Um, do some research on it. You know, it's it's really it's awesome stuff. Cool. Cool. Well, Kevin, um, thank you so much for your time and You're welcome. you know going over. Thank you, Zach. Yeah, yeah, going over uh, um, step three with us and telling us about neurofeedback therapy and what it's meant for you and helping you in your recovery. Um, and yeah, just all together, man. I appreciate you, love you, and and I'm so excited to be walking this road with you. Yeah, and I do that. It's. Um, I think what you're doing is amazing. I, um, you know, I. You're an amazing person, and um, you guys don't know Zach. Maybe the listeners don't know Zach, um, but Zach is a great, great guy, and um, you know, I'm proud of him, and I'm proud of the work that he's done trying to make his life um one of that god would be proud of him for and i think we're all that's our journey once you get into recovery is that you you want you i want god to love me and i want him i do want him to be proud of me and i am doing this i feel like i'm doing this for him more than anything else Hmm. because i know that eventually i'm gonna come home to him and and i want him to be like you know you fucked up but you, you cleaned up your mess and you lived the rest of your life the way that you were you were meant to be. Yeah. And we learned our lessons, Zach, you learned your lesson, and we just hope that we have the courage and, and, and the ability to recognize that maybe we need to be even more help in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Zach. Kevin, it's been a pleasure, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, hope to great... come back soon. <laughs> we'll, we'll see whether we invite you back. Or oh, not. you yeah. bastard. <laughs> you know, I have to make a Zach get this really comfortable chair over here, and I'm sitting on this little metal thing with my bony butt for the past two hours. You know, what kind of host is this? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Um, all right. Well, um, that's about it, guys, for this episode of the Rocket Recovery Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. been listening to the rocket recovery podcast thank you so much for joining us you can catch us on our socials we're on instagram youtube and facebook you can listen to us on spotify anchor fm or wherever you get your podcasts also please remember to rate us five stars on apple podcasts that really help us out our website is rocketrecovery.org If you have any suggestions for an episode topic, please email us at admin at rocketrecovery.org. Thank you again for supporting us. Please make sure to subscribe, like, and share us with all your friends and all those that would benefit from our work. Help us get the word out of happiness, joy, and freedom from your addictions. And remember, you are not alone.